0: We're here to talk about Independent League Baseball, even if we do mention Little Leaguers. So you want to stay tuned for all the action in Independent League Baseball this week on the Indie Ball Report podcast. We are back again, episode number one hundred and eighteen of the Indy report Podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. We're talking about Todd Frazier this week, and also we got a bunch of other actual on the field play to to, uh, to talk about as well. But I mean, Todd Frazier kind of grabs headlines, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, just a bit. I mean, he, he's a, he's a huge name, of course, in New Jersey as well. He's a he's a huge name also. So I, I think that. When he signs in the Frontier League with the Sussex County Minors, granted it's not going to be for the full year. He's just doing it to uh, to prepare for to play for Team USA in the Olympics, which you understand. You want to get at bats. You want to um, you want to keep your timing down uh, before you start playing in those games. So you understand it. But for indie ball, pretty pretty big story.
0: Oh, absolutely. And like Will said, for those that are unaware of why we're talking about Todd Frazier, um, Wednesday was announced that he was going to sign with Sussex County uh, to get ready for the Olympics, to get some reps in there, some at-bats, some, you know, some play in the field, just to kind of get up to, uh, I guess, playing weight, get up to playing condition. And he's been announcing he's playing today as we record this, and then I guess tomorrow as you listen to it on Sunday, I imagine he'll play a handful of other games. I know Rockland's been touting that he's going to play when uh, they go up to Palisades Credit Union Park. So if you're in the general New Jersey area, definitely either go out to Skylands, go out to Rockland and uh, see Todd Frazier play. But yeah, it's definitely a huge get here, like you said, in the New Jersey area. I'm not sure if many people know this, but Todd Frazier is actually from Tom's River and played on their little league team. I know it's a not very well known. I have never
1: fact. heard of. I have never heard of anything like that, Nick.
0: I know. I heard a rumor that his favorite player growing up was like some random shortstop for the Yankees. All, all I don't know, know much about the shortstop though. I know he's a terrible fielder though. I know that.
1: Could not agree more. Uh, but you know, if he was, uh, I, I'm just taking a guess. You'd yeah. think like they won won the little league World Series and. So you would think that they would get to go on the field with, uh, at Yankee Stadium and Todd Frazier would stand next to Derek Jeter for the National Anthem. I mean, that, that would only make sense.
0: That would be really cool if you got to do it. would be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And if I was a broadcaster, I'd mention uh, these occurrences at every possible instance. So, uh, I'm Why sure, wouldn't you? Uh, of course. why I, You could not. So yeah, I'm sure if our well, friends in Sussex County that are listening to the show – are listening, uh, be sure to mention this at every possible opportunity, too, because this is not a well-known fact.
1: No, it is not. I mean, broad- I can't believe broadcasters don't talk about it more. Exactly. I mean, they already talk about it like five times a broadcast. I mean, if I was doing the game, I'd do it like 15 times a broadcast.
0: Oh, absolutely. Every time a ball was hit the third. Every time. Uh, you have to mention it there. Especially, I mean, like on the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast, too. I mean, A-Rod was on the Yankees. He should be talking about this a lot. Oh.
1: Don't even get me started with A Rod calling Sunday Night Baseball. It drives me off the wall.
0: Every day, I'm thankful he didn't buy the New York Mets. Uh, Back to talking about Todd Frazier really quick. So, he's going to, like you said, mention, like you mentioned, he's going to play a handful of games uh, over the next couple of weeks, get ready for the Olympics. And, like I said, I believe the schedule is at Skylands, then at Palisades Credit Union Park. And then I want to say they go up to Tri-City as well and play a handful of games there. And then after that, I got to imagine in sometime in July, he's going to ship out to the Olympics. I don't know exactly when the Olympics begin, but I imagine it'd be like uh, 10 days beforehand that he probably have to uh, go and join up the team, uh, join up with the team there. So either way, I still want to know how they manage this. Because I mean, like, this is such a, a huge get.
1: You would think like, I don't know because if you were Sussex County, I don't know if they would reach out to Frazier and said, "Hey, do you want to do this?" I think it maybe they heard from like Frazier's agent or something that he's just looking for a place to play, and then immediately jumped on it. I mean, I don't, I don't know though. I think that's that's probably that's what I would bet. Uh, but I mean, yeah. Regardless, huge get. Super exciting. Not something I expected to see on my Twitter feed.
0: Yeah, absolutely not. When I when I got DM the link to it, I was like, oh, wow, that's that's surprising. And then I was really excited. And then I bought tickets and I tweeted it out. But of
1: <laughs> course, tickets two
0: to the Saturday games when I bought the tickets. Too, he was like, oh, it, I got to get my tickets now. then, of course, it comes out. Is he's got playing.
1: playing that day. He is maybe? not.
0: He is not. He playing. is not. But I mean, at least it's still retro night. It's just unfortunate we're not going to get to see Todd Frazier and some of those sick uh, Cardinal throwbacks, which would be really, those are really nice, actually. If they wear the white ones, it's really nice, but I think they're wearing the blue, which, I mean, they're fine. But I mean,
1: I mean we all, I mean, in, on the Indie Ball Report podcast, we just really talk about jerseys and uniforms. That, that's I, what it's we're all about hearing.
0: branding aesthetic, really. Is this really a designer show?
1: Honestly, like baseball, I, I don't really care who wins and loses.
0: I mean, like, really, do I, do I care that the Valley Cats are, like, 3 and 8 at this point and have the third worst no. winning percentage in Independent League Baseball?
1: No. No, why, why would I care about that? I mean, we could talk about it. I guess we probably
0: but... should. I mean, I don't think anyone cares about Todd Frazier anymore. So, I mean, like, I think we talked in the dead. So, I guess we could talk about the Valley Cats and their 3 and 8 record, which is still somehow <laughs> only two and a half games out of first. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that division's not great.
0: Yeah, like, I, I gotta be honest. I was expecting it to be, uh, considerably better than it is. And, uh, it's just not really, not really working out. Although I will say I was right about, uh, it keep Quebec doing well. They've been doing that. But, for sure. I mean, through 11 games here, there's a grand total of really three guys, and one of them got released that are hitting. Actually, I mean, even the third guy that got released, Figueroa, he only got, 11 at bats i mean like are you really hitting that well but th- this team really does not look like they're hitting all that great when we're looking at the valley cats Savario and campus are doing well i mean they're each batting 280 above uh Silvario's batting 350 so i mean that's pretty good not terribly much power nine home runs through 11 games i can't really decide if that's you know like the, the killing blow here or if it's their pitching uh, either way, something's just not working here. I mean, like, you want to look at the pitching staff. The law firm in Cochrane Gill is doing well. Uh, 150 ERA, he's one guy I remember that I mentioned in passing during the uh, preview show with Dave that I said, oh, he'll, he could be pretty decent. But, man, you look at these starters. It's not exactly like they're lighting the world on fire. Kelly's looks good. I believe he's the guy we saw pitch. The rest of the stars really aren't, like, doing great, you know?
1: Yeah, it's you mentioned, I don't know if it's the pitching uh, or the hitting that's really brought the Valley Cats down so far. Uh, well, I think uh, easy enough for you. I think the answer is both. The pitching is has not been very good. I mean, to be honest with you, actually, the starting pitching doesn't look terrible. I mean, the guys like Parker Kelly, 289 ERA, uh, Hyatt is a 363, um of course, uh, Sano up around 495. Carlos Sano, not uh, not great there. But I mean, the bullpen has been has been rough, and you know that was the question for a guy like Pete and Cavillo coming into a new league. Most in most cases, you're not going to spend a veteran slot on a reliever, and and so that it is it has not been very good uh, in, in the back end of their bullpen, and you know just their lineup has been super top heavy. I mean. Juan Silverio is raking like a lot of us thought Juan Silverio would. I mean, Dennis Phipps has been disappointing so far. I mean, a guy like him hitting 235, you'd, you'd expect much better than that uh, from him, but they, they just need other guys to step up in this lineup. Um, It's, otherwise i mean they're struggling to score runs they're hitting 221 as a team uh, i mean and pitching wise if you're hitting 221 as a team and you're giving up more than five and a half runs a game and then those are just the earned runs a yeah. era of 5.59 so uh, i don't even know if you factored in the runs you're probably up or, up over six runs a game you're giving up it's tough to win that way and not to say they can't turn it around they're 11 games in it's a long season
0: yeah uh, they're 12 of yeah. the way done i mean like it's sure. still it's still a long way to go
1: but, but it, it, it's a it's a it's definitely a disappointing start for a team that I know had had high expectations coming into the year.
0: Yeah, and they're, it, it's roughly six runs a game if you take uh, all runs into consideration. So, I mean, you figure it's somewhere between six to seven runs a game you're going to have to score if you want to win in your Tri-City. I, I do want to say one thing to their credit, though they haven't exactly had the easiest schedule either, which definitely sure. works against them. I mean, they've had... What they had the one game against Sussex before getting rained out like four nights in a row, which isn't great or three nights in a row rather Then they still had two other games against Sussex, which they had to play. That didn't go well for them. They got swept by New York, which I mean, admittedly not great. I mean, they're not that good of a team where you should be getting swept by them. They dropped what two of three to New Jersey and now they split essentially with New York and now they're going to Sussex County this weekend where they're going to wind up playing what four games a doubleheader today and then the one game each day over the weekend which I think we can honestly say here if they go three and one there or if they go one and three my mistake then you take that all things considered. So they don't exactly have the easiest draw here. I mean, you have two of the better teams in the Frontier League in general that you're playing, and it doesn't look like it's too much easier. I will say though, when you play New York, you got to get those wins. Those are games you have to have in hand, and there's just no way around that. They yeah,
1: especially if you if you're trying to make a run at the playoffs. Of course, they're going to have a tougher schedule than most are. Uh, but, you know, the same could be said for, for the other teams in that division, for Quebec, who's not playing any home games, you know. So, uh, but you're right, I and mean, they have had a tough road so far. But, you know, if you're going to be in the playoffs, especially in... Uh, I'll use, I'll group the two divisions together and say, like, the the former Can-Am League teams, those Can-Am League markets, were going to be better uh, just because of because of the veterans that they're able to resign and stuff like that they they they're, they're going to need to play better and unfortunately the uh, just the team as a whole they've had good performances here and there but the team as a whole has really struggled
0: yeah absolutely it just it comes down to they don't really have anyone that's a, an impact bat outside of, of Zavario. they don't really have a go-to arm to start and win a game they don't really have too many go-to arms in the bullpen where you're like okay I trust him like I said Conquering Gill is like the only dude that I saw them like yeah I trust him to go out there and knock him dead and I mean you mentioned earlier it's still extremely early I mean like to to rush to conclusions is you know not something we should do but at the same time I mean like there's you got to kind of make a move sooner than later here because when you look at the The standings as a whole in the Frontier League. It's not like you're going to get any easier. This division is not going to get easier. Rockland's going to stay at about what they are. They're about, I'd say, a 450 winning percentage team. They're a team that's probably going to win about 45 or so games. I figure that's about what they're at. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quebec at 500. I'm not sure if that stays, especially when they start losing guys to the Olympics. So they still can kind of jump ahead, but they're going to be playing Sussex County. They're going to be playing New Jersey. They're going to be playing Washington. These are all teams that, you know, they're not easy to beat teams. We've been saying that for a while now. So something's going to have to change. They're going to need to start making a move now. And I mean, if we're being real, if you fall behind early, it's hard to make it up in the end. And like I said, I understand. Eleven games have been played. It'll be 12 by the time, well, actually, by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be 13 games because it's a double heritage and i assuming both games get played. But even still, the point remains, you run out of games very quickly because then all of a sudden you have 86 left, and I understand it's 86. You go 500, no one gives a shit about the bad start, but it's still, it can be a problem later on. And at a certain point, you keep seeing the same teams, and there's only so much roster turnover to where I mean, like, you still kind of know what you're going to be facing, so you should be better than you are, and I understand, you know, again, I keep emphasizing it, but it is early, but it is still concerning to be going 3-8 and when you have two of the best players in the league on your team. That alone should at least kind of get you to, what, 5-6, and I'd say? Like, they should be keeping pace with Rockland, and I understand it's still two and a half games back in a so-so division. But 500 baseball is what you're going to need to win this division, in my mind. And when you're playing about 250 ball, a little bit above that, that's a far cry from 500.
1: They're going to have to pick it up soon. We'll learn a lot, I think, this weekend in their, in their series against, against the Sussex County Minors. Uh, but it, it definitely been a disappointing start. They're, they're definitely going to need to pick it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, with the miners, just to touch on them quickly, they have an 818 winning percentage. I just want to point that out. Like,
1: That'll, that's how? good.
0: Yeah. Like, how? How are they doing this? Two losses on the year, like the one on opening day. And then from there, their only other loss is one to Quebec last Tuesday or this past Tuesday.
1: Like, how are they doing this? I. They're just a really... They have no holes in their roster. Uh, we were saying that before the year. Of course, throwing Todd Frazier into the mix doesn't exactly uh, hurt for the games that he does play. Uh, but but overall, I mean, it seems they're, they're just a juggernaut. Uh, we, we were saying it before the year that uh, that this team is just really, really good. I mean, they're hitting two eighty three as a team. Uh, Herrera has been absolutely outstanding. Uh, to start this year, uh, hitting 379, um, Chuck Taylor as well, uh former Atlantic League name there, hitting 349, I mean, Martin Figueroa. I mean, they only have three guys hitting over 300, but you have a lot of guys right around that 275, 280, 290 mark. And when you have, I mean, so many, so many parts of their team, you only have three guys who get, like, substantial. Actually, I shouldn't even say that out of guys who start pretty much every game you have one regular who is hitting below 250 that is Cito Culver and I don't think that's going to continue so oh, yeah. and
0: also uh, I mean like it, Culver's never been renowned for his bat that's never been his thing it's always been fielding yeah. and I mean we we've seen him in this league like you said he's going to turn it around he's not going to stay at that and even at 242 which is what he's hitting that's not terrible if he's the worst bat in your lineup at 242 you can live with that plus he's drawn 12 walks in 11 games
1: yeah, I, I think that, that, and you look at this team as a whole. They put the ball in play. They don't strike out. I mean, as a team, seventy-one walks compared to eighty-five strikeouts, which is a really impressive number. You can even look at Trey Hare, who's driven in eighteen runs <laughs> in eleven games. I, I mean, the the miners are just such such a good team i mean even if you look on the pitching side of things they're great in that aspect too a 360 era as a team their bullpen has been dynamite uh as well their starting pitching uh has been great billy lane has been great um max herman uh has is off to a nice start as well A 327 era there so th- there's just really no holes in this lineup there's no other way to describe it and it's not too surprising that they're off to this off, off to this nine and two start we knew this team was was on paper was probably the best team in the frontier league of course games aren't played on paper uh but they they've lived up to the hype so far
0: oh absolutely and also by the way Martin Figueroa has like 11 stolen bases too through like 11 in games. 11
1: games <laughs> what
0: the hell uh, like this team is just a fun team to watch is what it is and even a guy like yeah. Tyler Lunick, he's a pretty fun pitcher too. I mean, 10 innings pitched, 16 strikeouts. Like, yeah, gives up a couple of runs, but I mean, he's only walked 3 guys. Like that's the thing. Even as a pitching staff, they're really not walking guys. Like mm. the, who the walk leader for walks allowed? That's Lane, and that's only 7 walks in 18 innings. So I mean, it's not terrible.
1: I mean, no, it's not a bad mark at all.
0: Yeah, so I mean, like it's doing pretty they're doing pretty good. I mean, like this it's a very difficult team to beat, is what it comes down to. So, this, this team, again, this is why everyone was high on them. And why anyone that was listening was like, oh, they can't be that good. Yes, they are that good. We, we, that's why everyone that talked about the Frontier League was saying they're going to be very good. Now, the other miners, not so much, although they're not really on the dock to be talked about this week, but. I just wanted to mention uh, Sussex County because we did talk about Todd Frazier. Oh, yeah. And by the way, when you look at that lineup, I assume Figueroa will move into left field because I know he was taking some outfield uh, reps during spring training or early in the year during like some uh, practice games. So I assume they want to keep him in and we'll either put him as a DH or we'll put him in the outfield and they will put Frazier at third for whenever Frazier plays, which, you know, that's also a nice little thing to add to. You just kind of slot Todd Frazier in there
1: nice exactly <laughs> especially in the Frontier League that's it's just unheard of
0: I know well and also now Sussex County holds the best player in the Frontier League I'm just pure talent alone all right so the only other two Frontier League teams to really talk about this week uh, I feel like are Evansville and the Yalls the Yalls are no longer undefeated uh, they dropped four games so they're 10 and 4 same thing with Evansville who's the kind of opposite trajectories although I mean like Florence is still playing very well. We'll start with Evansville. However, they're not playing bad. They're playing pretty good ball. They they've played uh, Florence very tough in their series that they played against them this past week, and the current series they're in, they I guess it's kind of one one and one, being that the last night's game went to a home run derby, which Evansville won. Although what is very annoying is it just shows up as a tie on the uh, Frontier League website when you look at that, which I don't really know why that's the case. It's, it was decided. We, we know that. Um, but outside of games that ended in regulation, it was a split. Evansville took the first, Florence took the second, then Evansville took the third. Even still, they play, they played each other pretty even, all things considered. Uh, last week we talked a real lot about how Evansville was hitting and how it seemed like the good teams were really good at pitching, and as far as Evansville was concerned, nah, they were getting a lot of hitting. And they still are. They get a guy like Davis, Davis that's batting over 400. They got Schultz, who's batting over 380. They got another guy, or another one, two, three, four guys batting over 300. They, again, they're in a similar boat to Sussex County, where it's like, look, they got guys that are really hitting well, and that's going to help you a ton. And while they don't have too many guys hitting for power, they're putting the ball in play. And they're getting on base and they're coming around to score runs. And as far as pitching's concerned, Anderson's been dealing. No earned runs through eleven innings. Springs been dealing. No earned runs through about ten innings. Everyone else, uh high threes, fours, six, sevens, and there's a guy in the twelves. But you know, by and large, they're getting by. Like they're definitely getting by on their bats. But as long as you have half or over half of your lineup batting above 300, it's sustainable for now. Obviously, you want to see better pitching. You can't just have one really good starter and one really good reliever and then expect to be able to have that last the whole year. But if you're able to keep pace doing this for now, hey, keep running it. And obviously, this is not a team that's going to win games by shutting down an opponent uh, on the mound. So they're going to have to win it by putting balls in play, and getting runs across.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think that they're going to beat you uh, by us outslugging you. And to be honest with you, they've done they've done a great job with that so far. I mean, they're hitting 302 as a team, and and Jr. Davis, who who potentially is is among is among the candidates for player of the year so far. I mean, of course, super early. Yeah. So so take that, take that for what you will. Uh, but. I mean, as a whole, I think it's just shaping up to be a really fun race uh, between Evansville and Florence. They're two very, very even teams, uh, at least to start the year. And I know we all picked Southern Illinois uh, to win that division, of course, me, you, and uh, Dave Rollo from the yeah. from the Frontier League Journal. Uh, but and they've they've certainly disappointed uh, to start the season. However, I mean, Evansville, I mean, they, they are they are raking. They were raking when we when we talked last week and there's they're still raking this week so they're hitting for they're hitting for power they've struck out 120 times in uh, 473 at bats it's a little bit higher than you'd like it uh, not not like a team like sussex county who's putting the ball in play a lot so that'll be something interesting to watch could signal some regression uh offensively and i worry a little bit about um the pitching the starting pitching that really has struggled so far Dalton Stombaugh has been has been pretty good uh, in that rotation to start the year. Uh so I think that, that that'll be that'll be the thing to watch uh if their offense can, can keep this pace up. Uh I I do think that out of the teams I think Florence is a little bit better, but yeah. uh of course super early I think Evansville is probably more likely to regress than a team like uh than a team like Florence, but of course a long, long way to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this week, I will say too, they do have a nine game homestand that starts tonight, Friday. So that's definitely going to work in their favor as well. They have Windy City, they have Schaumburg. So they're not bad teams by any stretch they have coming up here. So that's definitely going to make things a little bit more difficult for them. But they also get gateway in there too. So I think this week will be uh, telling us to where they're at, especially against a team like Windy City, which like we mentioned last week, is very good at pitching and even still, they, I believe, had a couple of contracts purchased this past week. A guy like Thornton's still there. You still have a couple of other guys. Asua is still out there. There's still a lot of guys that are, you know, on that Windy City team that can pitch, especially in that bullpen. So we're going to see if they're going to be able to continue to hit against good pitching, and we're going to see uh, if they're able to shut down a team like Schomburg that, you know, they can hit. So... Uh, with that said, we'll go to Florence and see where they're at before we move on to the next league. And with Florence, they were obviously the hottest team in independent league baseball last week. They did not lose a game until they played on uh, the well, the actual day we recorded the episode where they lost to Washington 8-2. But this is a team that, again, they can pitch and they are hitting. As in, they have four really, really strong hitters Uh and one of them that's in uh, Harrison D. Nicola that's batting nearly 500 through 14 yeah. games. Like, that's, uh, there's a handful of guys in this league that you don't really remember. And then when you go and you look and you're doing the show and you're pulling up the stats, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about him and I forgot he's doing really well. And Harrison D. Nicola is one of them. <laughs> uh he's just he's powering that offense along with a few other guys on that team and obviously the pitching staff's done very well a team staff of uh 406 era but you have other guys that have pitched quite some uh substantial innings that have done well and even their rotation when you look at it out of of regular starters I'd say Tripp's probably the the least best of them all, and that's only an ERA of 5. And if he's your 4 or your 5 with an ERA of 5, you can definitely live with it. You can make do on it. A guy like Martinez is an ERA of 3. So, I mean, you have guys getting along. This team is performing, I don't want to say above expectation, because we did talk about them. We did say that, you know, they could win this division. They are a good team in this division. Obviously, we didn't pick them to win the division. Uh, but even still they're they're doing pretty good
1: yeah i think that florence is off to an, an an impressive start and you know so much of that uh is comes from their offense i mean the what really sticks out to me about florence is their power i mean they're hitting fort they've hit 14 home runs so far as a team and i mean dina Nicole is just i mean he's just been insane uh, there, there's no other no other way to put it i mean of course hitting nearly 500 23 for 49 with uh three home runs as well he's walking more than he's striking out uh so he's been really impressive and and even a guy like trevor Craport has has been really impressive power wise as well um even though he's hitting only around 255 he's still got four home runs in the first in his first 14 games so uh the of course when you're looking at when you're looking at florence uh i think you're probably leaning offensive heavy i think uh as far as the as far as their rotation you you don't really have one guy who's really emerged uh, as an ace so far and, and that's okay because the way i mean the way their bullpen's been pitching i get that's not not an issue at all because uh, you have really a lot of solid arms in that rotation and while while you might not have that one ace who's dominating at the moment, um, the 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 bullpen's there to pick it up, uh, and of course their bats are carrying them. So I mean, between Florence and Florence and Evansville, it's going to be it's going to be a fun race. I think, like I said, I think Florence is uh, probably the better team roster wise. So we'll see if that if that starts to, if the standings start to shape out that way, uh, but. A very, very impressive start for Florence, for sure.
0: Yep, absolutely. And so with that, I think we're just about done with the Frontier League. Obviously, we're going to have a lot more to talk about with this league going forward. And after this week, we're, uh, we're probably going to be talking with some of the same teams again. But hopefully, we'll have one or two teams kind of jump out. Because a lot of these divisions, I mean, they're still close. Because again, at most, there's like 14, 15 games played uh, for most of these teams. So it's going to be pretty close and jam-packed until i'd say at least a 40 game mark which at that point we're about halfway through the season so uh even still it's an interesting league to watch there's a lot of good players and obviously with todd frazier now joining the mix uh, it's going to be even more fun to watch that said we'll move to the atlantic league now and i think you could call it on if we if there even exists this but indie ball twitter was uh, having some fun with Lancaster and Gastonia the other night and their, what did you say earlier, 35 walks?
1: 35 walks in a nine inning game that uh, lasted about four and a half hours.
0: Imagine sitting there watching 35 walks over four and a half hours. Imagine how terrible that would be. Not fun. Yeah. Like, I'm a firm believer in there's not really too many good reasons to leave a sporting event early. That may be one of them. Because, honestly, it comes a certain point where you're like, oh, come on. And, uh, obviously, we, we're going to talk about this a bit. And the track man's obviously at some level to blame here. But it seems like there isn't that big of an issue outside of Lancaster itself. It seems like that ballpark always has a lot of walks. And I can't tell if this is because... Lancaster just doesn't have the best pitching staff in the world. And I mean, let's not pretend like Estonia does either and we'll talk more about uh, the Honey Hunters in a- when we get through this bit, but it's still, 35 walks is a lot. I don't want to chalk them all up to the track, man, but mm. it's there. it definitely does hold some responsibility, but even that aside, I don't know how the hell you get to 35 walks in nine innings. Like, what does that even break down to? Like, four walks an inning, roughly?
1: Um, well, let me think. So,
0: Because four times nine is 36. So, a little under it.
1: Yeah, a little under four walks an inning, two walks each half inning. Like, ugh. God damn. So brutal. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It, it doesn't seem like – because it's, uh, it's not just the, the Gastonia series, of course – uh York and when York and Lancaster played this was a big problem as well. There was nothing like 35 walks in a 16 to 14 game. Uh but I mean again on Sunday there's a reason Blake Galen closed the game because there there was no pitching left. Yeah. It, it was that simple. And uh that's and of course not to say that York or Lancaster or Gastonia are particularly great pitching teams, because they're certainly not. Uh, however I mean, it is really tough when a, a ball at the knees is not called a strike. It's tough for – it doesn't affect all pitchers equally because, it, of course, more, some pitchers are working down in the zone more than others. Some are working more up in the zone. However, you know, it's it's just – the best way. the best way to put it is it, it really just – it messes with pitchers mentally – when that pitch is not called a strike and guys who are trying to work down in the zone. I mean, if you're, if you essentially take that ability away from them, it's really tough. And I think the, of course we we've talked at length about track man and how, and how it worked during last year, uh, the 2019 season, I should say. And I think it was, it was okay. Uh, but I think moving it to a two-dimensional strike zone instead of a three-dimensional strike zone was the right move. But why move it up? What is the reason for you to redefine a strike? The entire reason that we want automated balls and strikes to begin with, or some people do, is they just want a consistent strike zone. Nobody wants to redefine what a strike and what a ball is. You're fixing a problem that doesn't need to be fixed. And and that's the frustrating part. Like I don't know why they raised the strike zone. Um, you know, some say they widen the strike zone. Some say that's actually happening. Some say that's not actually happening. It of course it depends on who you ask. Uh, but it, it's there's no doubt about it that all these walks are not good for the game. Even if Lancaster is more of a a more of an outlier, just when the numbers jump off the page, walks are up around the league. Uh, that's not it's not just. Um, Everywhere else is normal, and then Lancaster is just completely blown out of proportion. It's it's not like that. I mean, you look at the if you look at walks per game across indie ball. Um, I mean, Frontier League, you're just under eight walks per game. Of course, this is including both teams. Uh, so, mm. Frontier League just under eight walks a game. American Association, eight point one four uh, walks per game. Atlantic League, eleven walks per game so I mean what's the difference there it doesn't yeah. doesn't take a genius to figure out what what the difference is is there between um between those between, between the those three leagues. leagues. It's, it's
0: the ABS
1: so it, it, it's frustrating I know pitchers are going to have to adjust I understand and, and I'm really and the one last thing I'll say about it Nick is mm. when the mound gets moved back
0: oh god it's gonna be bad I'm
1: more pi- pitchers are going to be further down in the zone than they otherwise would be this is this is going to get worse this is not unless this is fixed in some sort of way this is not going to get this is going to get much much worse before it gets better and that's the thing that that i am concerned about um so i it's frustrating to watch because i know and, and not to say it's all because of uh Trackman, that there were 35 walks because i don't think that's accurate yeah. uh but I mean, the numbers are there, the numbers are there. And historically the Atlantic league has uh, they're more of the veteran guys and that's usually leads to less control problems. So, I mean, some, something, has got to give here. And, and, and I know it's frustrating to so many players across the league at the moment. I don't know why pitchers honestly would come. I, I yeah. think our, our good friend Ryan from ALPB roundup was saying, was saying this, if I'm a pitcher, perhaps was just released from double a ball why why would i choose an atlantic league team over an american association team frankly i wouldn't Uh, i i i wouldn't at all and and i i can understand why so you would just hope that they can uh, just make just all i I can't believe i'm saying this but can we make what is normally a strike a strike and make what normally a ball is a ball is a ball please it's so so simple
0: yeah so I I do want to just touch on a couple of things before we go on to, you know, some actual play in the league. Like you said, 35 walks is way too high, but it's not all to go to track, man. I mean, it was Gastonia versus Lancaster. And I mean, at this point, recording it at about a little before one o'clock on Friday, the 11th. In 116 innings played, Lancaster's walked or Lancaster's walked uh, 115 and gastonia in 108 innings has walked 89 and then the next closest team is york with 61 walks in 102 and a third innings so let's not pretend like you know uh they're not walking a lot of guys normally without the track man they would be anyway that said that number's a lot higher than it should be even when you figure okay these are two of the worst pitching staffs in the league and Well, Lancaster or Lancaster is the worst pitching staff in the league and Gastonia is the third to go by ERA. So it's, it's not like these are, you know, great pitching staffs that are getting just, you know, jobbed here. There's a lot of walks happening either way that said, like you said, the zone isn't what it normally is. And what's confusing to me is we talked, me and James talked to an umpire back when this was first implemented. And they said, we still do have some autonomy to call things that are clearly a ball, a ball, even if the track man says it's a strike. So on some of these more wild ones, like I believe the the chart of the one galleon at that, where two things are way, way, way outside the zone were called a strike. I don't know why they didn't call that a ball.
1: I just want to clarify that one, because from that that game, that was the night after the 35 walk game. So that yeah. actually, those actually were regular umpires because they ditched okay. the track man for that game.
0: So if you're going to do that, then what the hell is the point of the track man though? Like if you're going to use the TrackMan, use the TrackMan regardless of the flack you're going to get. If you're going to ditch it at the first sign of, okay, it's rent really bad, then don't bother using it at all. Like,
1: well, I'll, I'll disagree with you there. Cause I think it's, I think that they ditched it not not so much for for the game just because of just the system itself. I think it was more because what is going on at Clipper Magazine? Yeah. How
0: many many walks were in that game after? I believe 15. Okay, so it's still high, but I mean, that's... With two bad pitching staffs, it's a lot more plausible. Yes. Okay. So... I'm not willing to say that there were 20 trackman walks, but I think 15 trackman walks is probably about right.
1: I'd, yeah, yeah. I, I think Eventually. that's
0: probably about right. So, I mean, I want to call it double what there normally should be. It's still way too high. But, yeah, it's weird, too, because like, I, like, we, like I've been saying, you look at the rest of the league outside of those two teams walk-wise. She's not a team above 61. They're 61, they're 60, 56, 48, 44, and 43. All well in line with where you should be. And it, it, it really is puzzling here because I mean, I thought we were doing the whole system of, okay, it's a regular strike, somewhat we're judging it off of height and that's the information that's entered in. I thought that was what we were going with now. And yeah. it's clearly not the case here. Uh, I do want to just say one thing. For people that think they're not going to move the mound back or something. No, you, this... you
1: are mistaken.
0: Oh, yeah. Like they're not pushing that rule back two years in a row. They're not going to do that. It's going after to After the
1: quick. press, after the press they got for doing it, no way. Yeah.
0: They have to now. They're, they're in that corner. I mean, already they got a little bit of it in 2019, but I mean, they were able to kind of eat that with other press they are getting and other factors. This year, they're not, they're going to move it back and it's going to get really, really bad. Like you said, well, it's going to get really, really bad. And there's a morbid curiosity about this where I really do kind of want to see how bad it's going to get because I could honestly see 25, 30 walks a game becoming the normal. And that's obviously not what the, not what the intended purpose of this is. So if you're going to do that, then if, if we're set on changing the strike zone and moving the mound back, then you got to make the strike zone bigger. There's no way around that. That's the only way that you could do it to keep just it Just make it a balanced.
1: normal strike zone. That's all I ask. That's all anybody wants.
0: Yeah, they're just, not going to do that.
1: Just make it a normal strike zone. Why are you messing? Why? Oh, so a pitch at the knees is not called a strike? What is, who the hell wants to test that? Like, yeah, when, like since when is what is sh- what is a strike and what is a ball? When when has that ever been changed? Like plus, ever? Don't don't give me some garbage about how that's not. There's precedent for it. There's not.
0: Plus, wouldn't there? Wouldn't you want like a bigger strike zone here as opposed to one that's smaller and non-traditional? Because then, we'll pitcher our batters would be more inclined to swing at it and put the ball in play like they want.
1: Yeah, I mean, as opposed but,
0: to a walk, which to be quite honest is boring to watch.
1: Oh, it's the, the most boring. The, the, the most boring play. I mean, it, it's... Nothing happens. Yeah. It, it's frustrating. Yeah, uh, it, well, it really is.
0: Well, on that note, we'll talk about actual Atlantic League play quickly. And Gastoni's keeping pace. I'm honestly kind of surprised about this.
1: Yeah. I mean, their offense is raking. That's really the, the only... Don't I don't want to say the only reason, but I it's mean... It's a large reason. Well... It's a very, very large reason. Uh, I mean, you look at their team, at least so far. Uh, the the be- one of the best stories, really. Um, I think his name is pronounced Josh Sala.
0: Okay, I'll
1: go Even, with that. Because I, if, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Because I could have sworn I saw people talking about it on Twitter that uh, that it's it looks S A L E has to be sale, but apparently it's Josh Sala. Hey, so it's good I'm not, Look,
0: the expectation for pronunciations on this show is through the floorboard so you, go, <laughs> you got to set that, the expectation low early and we did that
1: I mean he, he's a guy that I mean Salah was a guy that was picked in the first round of the draft by the Tampa Bay Rays um kind of fizzled out of, of affiliated ball had, had um and had plenty of issues and uh didn't hasn't played since 2015 and He's come back this year and is I mean, you could tell he's put in the work. He is he has really, really been impressive so far. I mean he's hitting three oh two. Uh he's hit a ton of home runs, hit a grand slam last night. He says five home runs, uh slugging six ninety-eight. Uh his OPS is over eleven hundred. I mean, he has been probably the story uh in the Atlantic League so far. And and you look across this entire Gastonia team—they're just hitting really, really well as a team. I mean, Jason Rogers got off to a little bit of a slow start, but he is—he is now hitting the way Jason Rogers. Uh, we know—we know him to hit. I mean, his OVP current, his on-base percentage is currently five twenty-five. And now I'm sure we could have some discussions about TrackMan about that, but you know what? I'm TrackMan out for today. Yeah. Uh,
0: so plus everyone um, gets to play by the same rules. So I mean, everyone's getting that yeah. benefit
1: or even a guy like Jake Skull, who I know they've been using out of the leadoff spot a lot. Uh, it's funny. He's hitting 209 yeah. with a 417 on base percentage, and now I'm thinking about Trackman again, but I'm not going to think about Trackman again because positive vibes only. Uh, and um, and so, I mean, really, their offense is completely carrying the load. They scored 42 runs in, um, in, in their three-game set they a three-game sweep of the Barnstormers. So uh, I think the, the offense is really what's carrying Gastonia right now.
0: Well, I mean, just in their, like, they've scored 10 or more runs, what, one, two, three times, four times this year? So far through all their games played in June, yeah. at least? Yeah. So, and they put up a 20-piece, or, well, York put up a 20-piece against them. But they did well against High Point. They split with them, and then a rainout. But even still, like, they're doing well. They're beating the teams they should or could beat. Uh, Obviously, they got a bit of a challenge in this next series against Lexington. And I think expectations should be realistic there. If they go one and two, not bad. Then they have Southern, they have Southern Maryland. That's a, that's a easy two and one. I could see them there. Of course, there won't be any photographic evidence from any of those games, but you know, we'll endure somehow. And, (laughs) and then, uh, they have West Virginia. I think that's a team where they could possibly take two of three. You know, that's doable.
1: Right, you know, it's, t- it's tough to rate West Virginia just because they've had, like I believe, three or four rainouts to this point. They're basically playing every other day.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, it's tough to get a feel for them, but, you know, I still think it's doable for Gastonia. Like, they obviously don't have the easiest schedule. I mean, they have Long Island, too, and then they close out the month again against Southern Maryland. So... Not exactly, you know, the best lot in the world, but I think they could do that. And just out of curiosity, I was just wanting to see what the wild card standings would be if everything ended today. Guess Tony is a half game out of the wild card. Like them, it's them in high point right now.
1: Yeah, offensively they've been outstanding. Now, the pitching has not been very good, yeah. so you wonder how how much longer they can they can keep up. Not even not even so much as uh, how long can they keep hitting like this because no one's going to keep hitting like this. But I, I think how much longer can they uh, you know hit at hit at an, an elite level really yeah. uh, just uh, and so I think that's going to be the interesting thing. But and they have a lot they have a lot of great stories on their team. They're a fun team to watch. They play with a lot of energy uh, and I mean certainly their series against lexington we'll, we'll learn a we'll learn a lot about them yeah. uh and so and that'll be interesting to see i'm a little bit worried about that pitching staff against uh, a lexington lineup that hasn't played over the last couple of days just because of just because of rainouts two consecutive rainouts in west virginia uh but i mean that's a really really good lineup so that'll be a good test that'll be a really good test for them.
0: yeah which just an unrelated thought that came to my mind before we go to the American Association. I want to know what Ron the Toastman does during a rainout because he obviously has the toaster and the outlet there, and water and toasters really don't mix. So I wonder if they get him like a canopy or something, or if he has to go on the concourse or something.
1: I, I would think you just got to get it out of the rain. Yeah. So I mean, during a rain delay, he's probably on the concourse. Yeah.
0: But I mean, like if they're playing while it's raining. I mean, he still has to do his, his whole thing, but obviously you can't do that in the rain. Right. Yeah. i you him about that. You should. We'll have to get on that. But in uh, any case, American Association talk now as we close in on the hour mark of the show. Milwaukee's turned it around. Somehow Chicago's still doing really well. Fargo Moorhead's pitching staff keeps getting raided with possibly the feel-good story of the American Association so far, with 10-year veteran Kevin McGovern getting picked up by the Cardinals after just completely dominating the league. And meanwhile, over in the South Division, uh, Cleburne at 11-10 and 10 is somehow only two games out. They're on a four-game winning streak. The Monarchs are sub-500, which is, you know, not great. And the Apollos have four wins. And coming into yesterday's games... Winnipeg was only one game better than the uh, than the Apollos,
1: so it's don't a, remind me.
0: It's been a wild ride so far this year as we approach the twenty percent mark of the season, and also David Washington remembered how to hit, and it's just completely raking.
1: Yeah, I, I mean this this the really the big story of the week, I think, is is Milwaukee essentially figuring it out uh, as we knew we as as we pretty much knew they would. They they have just so much talent. Uh, on this team, and uh, it's interesting because uh, Adam Brent Walker has started it. I mean, I mean, you're right about David Washington now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ten to home runs in tw- in 21 games, which yeah. is just insane.
0: Yeah,
1: it is. It is just just absolute bonkers. Oh, and uh, he also batted
0: 330 too on top of those ten home runs
1: yeah uh David washington a guy Atlantic League fans are plenty familiar with um i he he has been really really impressive this offense uh is is really almost surpassed i guess you could say expectations now yeah. it's going to be tough for them to keep up uh, a pace like this but you know i, I think and, and they're starting pitching so far i mean their pitching in general has has been good uh, it's it's been really good uh, maybe not to like the oh my god level of last year but I, I think the- their pitching has been really good and I tell you this series uh, if you're an American Association fan Chicago Milwaukee this weekend uh, in Milwaukee it's going to be a really fun one.
0: Oh, absolutely like this is a series I didn't have high expectations for going into the year but then again everyone was kind of low on uh, Chicago coming into the year I think We didn't really expect them to kind of jump up. And then after I saw Royo got uh, released and then wound up going to High Point, who has been doing very well in High Point, too. But yes, I kind of expect them to do really badly. And now they've done really well. So I don't know what to make of the Chicago team. I honestly haven't looked into them all too much. Probably should have. But yeah, this is a Milwaukee team that they're getting runs across when they need to. And like you said, their pitching still very good. And last year was just it would be impossible to replicate last year. I think with the amount of talent they had. But even a guy like Hadley still pitching well. A guy like Zimmerman's rebounded certainly. Holmberg started coming back to where he needs to be. Salters coming back to where he needs to be. Miles Smith is apparently a great starter, and I was not ready for that at all. But 24- I think
1: that was I think that was more of a move to like try to get him picked up yeah. quicker just because they know he has great stuff and the teams are more likely to pick up a starter than a reliever. So, but yeah, he's been, he's been impressive. I didn't know. I was hesitant about the transition, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's gone really well.
0: Yeah, no, I'm surprised. Like 14 walks, 21 innings, isn't the best in the world. But I mean, even still, ERA below one is a starter through four starts so far. So that's, you know, definitely solid. And I mean, like realistically, realistically looking through here, there's been a couple of guys that haven't exactly been great. Kowalczyk's one of them. But outside of that, I feel pretty good about most of the pitchers on this staff. Like, they're doing a very good job, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the, 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 the pitching is... I think this is a sustainable level for them too. Yeah. Uh, and I mean as long as I mean as long as guys like Walker and, and Washington are hitting like this, Milwaukee's going to be a really really tough team to beat. I mean um,
0: Aaron Hill too. Aaron Hill's got six home sure. runs in batting just under 300. So he's definitely producing too.
1: Yeah. So I mean it's just a really good team from top to bottom and they're starting to uh, again give me a fun series against Chicago uh, this weekend. You, you'd think they're probably still, they're, you'll, they'll start to make their move at the top of the standings. They've already started it uh, after their kind of average start to the season, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, But, but they've certainly picked it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A team that hasn't slowed down, though, is Fargo Moorhead. Like, they keep getting guys purchased, and they just don't slow down at all. Leo Pena's doing great. Dylan Kelly's doing great, but he always does. Same thing with Carell Prime. He's doing great, he always does. A guy like Krauss is finally getting in there who did very well in the Can Am League and seemingly transfer that over. Sam Dexter's doing well. Will Zimmerman's a dude that came out of absolutely nowhere and has just done amazing. Like his first professional hit was a walk off bunt. Yeah. I know it was against the Apollo, so that probably helps clarify that. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus man.
0: I'm just saying there were four and eight they're what, four and nineteen? Come on. I'm not going to disrespect them entirely. There are a handful of really good players, and they did have two guys picked up into, I want to say one went to Mexico and Richardson, and then Nick Anderson, I think, is part of the Twins now. But, I mean, come on. Let's be real here. They're a 4-19 team. They're better than I expected, but they're still not good. Better
1: than you expected at 4-19?
0: Yeah. Look, I had the over-under for them at about 21 wins on the year. They're right about that. Yeah. They're on pace. So it's
1: going a, a to be a photo finish.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, like, again, they're a road team. There's low expectations. And, like, again, we're being realistic. The guys on that team and the guys that are managing that are playing for 2022. They're playing to hopefully get on a roster for 2022. And, honestly, if there's some guys like go I think will be. go's very good. But, as of right now, as a team... Just talent wise, they're not better than anybody else. And to be honest, across the three major independent leagues, they have the lowest winning percentage. So statistically speaking, they are the worst team in independent league baseball, which again is not all that surprising because they were, you know, a road team. They're the lone road team this year. So I, well, get, not I,
1: lone. They're not the lone road team.
0: Wait, who's the other road team that I'm forgetting about? Quebec. I don't know if I count them because technically they do have a home. But the border opens. Uh, Is it dubious at best? Yes, but still, technically speaking, there is a plan for them to play home games.
1: Potentially. Yeah,
0: I mean it's a long shot. Yeah, but you know. Also, I think it's a little bit different because I mean it is a a collaboration of two teams. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they do. Of course, they also had significantly more talent. They're. Much better situation just because
0: yeah. they're not like a true road team.
1: Yes, uh, they're, they're not a normal road team.
0: Yeah, so I mean, like, when I say that about the Apollo's, I don't like there's no way that's going to come off as nice, but at the same time, though, I mean, like, you can only sugarcoat it so much. They're better than expected, but they're not a good team. Like, there's good players, but not a good team. So, that said, yeah, Will Zimmerman got his first hit as a walk-off bunt against the the Apollos. That said, Will Zimmerman has been really good. He made a really, really nice catch in the outfield this past week, where it was like a summer stalled one, and he's done really well coming in from seemingly nowhere, but Fargo Moritz pitching has been just terrific. Like, just really terrific. Now, they've lost like three of their best starters, actually their three best, in Pike, McGovern, and Hergert now, and... Like, I do want to say, I'm really happy for Kevin McGovern at 20, at 32, 10 year vet of the American Association. Awesome. He finally gets his shot. You, you got a roof for a guy like that to get, to get into a game or two. I'm not sure what'll happen, but you, you got to be happy about that. And then apparently now they've transformed uh, Mike Hope into a starter who did well in his start against Milwaukee. I believe they shut out Milwaukee actually. So he's done yeah. well there. My concern now is. Pike was like your ace year staff. Hergert was kind of like the number two. And McGovern was definitely the three coming in. We were like, ah, he's done very well in the past, but he had a bad year last year. Is it just a pandemic year or is it that the the miles in the arm have caught up? And clearly it was just, it's a pandemic year. It was an off year. It wasn't great. You look at the rest of the starters here. Nissan or Nissan isn't bad. Versteg or Versteg isn't terrible. Although he's Marvel Reliever. Jones has not been good this year, Helton has not been good this year, and Hins has not been good this year. Those are actually the three worst pitchers ERA-wise on the staff. So oh. if that's your new rotation of Nissen, Versteeg, Jones, Helton, and Hintz, now I'm concerned. I'm not going to lie. Plus, you're weakening your bullpen by taking Versteeg out of it, and I don't know how well he's going to do as a starter, but. That's just the situation you're in because you are such a good team starting wise. The bullpen, I still feel fine about. Flores has been fine. ERA of around four. Rogers, four and a half ERA, but only eight innings. So I feel fine about that still. And then obviously, uh, Dubard or Dubard, uh, he has the best ERA in the staff. Sub one through 12 innings, 15 Ks, 13 walks. Again, a lot of walks, but a lot of strikeouts. And he's not letting them come across to score. So I mean, i'm not that concerned about their scoring i'd be concerned but luck or whatever it may be that's keeping them off you live with it for now also if you're gonna leave hope as a bullpen arm i can definitely be fine with the bullpen i personally would try him as a starter because he did well against milwaukee which obviously is an impressive feat but you know uh that is concerning to me but the overall that team has been doing very well
1: yeah I, they they've they've been doing great uh you know, and, and it happens, but, and it happens to indie ball teams when you have guys that, um, when you have teams that perform and, you know, play, affiliated organizations start poaching their players and that's kind of just how it works. Uh, and, and that, and that's certainly a good thing. So now the question is, is it, I, if how I kind of view Fargo Moorhead is I think they're a tough team to evaluate right now just cause mm-hmm. they're in that kind of transition phase um of trying to um of trying to replace guys replace a guy like mcgovern i mean losing a guy like uh like pike as well i think um it's tough uh it's tough to blow i i think it's i think it was a pretty good decision to try and work hope into the starting rotation i mean hope has been so good out of the bullpen uh this year to start the year for them but i just worry about the rest of the rotation i mean jones helton and um Oh, and, uh, and Hins is, it, it worries me a little bit, their long term success. Uh, but of course, I'm sure they'll be looking to add more starters. Uh, I can't imagine they wouldn't be. And I'm sure they're in the market for them now. So that's why I think they're a little bit of a, a difficult team to evaluate at this point uh but the, the one thing i did want to mention about their offense is it kind of, it almost looks like to me they're they're really kind of embracing like sort of a, a little bit of a small ball approach that's kind yeah. of worked for them uh, i mean they've only hit 17 home runs in 22 games so in that sense i mean they're hitting for a high average i mean as a team 278 is uh, is, is very good um and leo baldo pena at the top of that at the top of that order hitting 373 has been really really impressive it's going to be interesting over the next couple weeks to see how Fargo Moorhead tries to address uh, their starting their starting pitching staff, which has been so good this year. Essentially, get rated, get rated by affiliated teams. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to that. That'll that'll tell us if they can keep pace at the uh, w- with Milwaukee potentially at the top of that North Division.
0: Yeah, uh, I will say this much: they're going to have a hard time finding starting pitching. I mean, we've seen. Throughout Indie so, Balls, here it, it's definitely in a scarce supply. I mean, how Pioneer League is holding another tryout because they've had ridiculously high runs scored per game, uh, totals to this point here. Now, granted, they've started to come back down to earth a little bit, but even still, if you're holding tryouts, you know, two, three weeks into your season, clearly something's not only working.
1: that, not only that, if you look at the prices for that tryout, you yeah. Uh, for, it's like a good $50 cheaper to go as a pitcher than it is a position player. <laughs>
0: yeah, they know exactly what they're trying to attract there. Exactly. But, yeah. Now, the last two teams I do want to talk about this week quickly uh, Cleburne and Kansas City. Uh, they haven't done as well as we kind of expected them to do earlier in the year. Obviously, uh, they've each well, they've played each other a decent little bit and they've had tougher schedules than uh, other teams have. But. I'm kinda of surprised Will Kinger got released because he wasn't doing well, because he yeah. really hasn't been doing all that well. But a lot of the guys were like, oh, the these are gonna be key contributors. A guy like Johnny Field, not hitting well. A guy like Sweeney, not hitting well. You know, the but guys like Jan Hernandez, John Hernandez, he's hit very well. Colin Willis, he's hit fine. Guerrero, another guy hitting well. Group John, he's been the best guy on this team, average wise. None of them are really hitting for all that much power. Gillespie with five home runs in about, what, 19 games? I mean, home run every four games isn't terrible. Uh, but by and large, they're not hitting great. And pitching wise, uh, they're, they got some guys. I mean, they're not a bad pitching team by any stretch, but they've also been raided too, uh, by affiliated ball. I believe Glowacki was the guy that got picked up. Baker, I know, got picked up. Stout, I know, got picked up. They brought in Cody Mincy, uh from Sussex through a trade, which wasn't which has been working out fine for them so far at the bullpen. So he's helped stabilize things. Ellington's done well, Diaz has done well. Uh McGrain's starting to come back to the usual McGrain that we know. But all in all, the teams like it's a pretty lukewarm team. Like they're not out of it because that division is extremely close so far. The Explorers are in first place now, but I think they only have like a two, two-and-a-half game lead on uh, Cleburne to this point. So, I mean, it, it's far from over. Again, we're only at the one-fifth marker. But even still, hey, it's a bit surprising to not see them at the top but at the bottom of the standings instead.
1: Yeah, it, it it's certainly surprising. I'm also surprised they, they let Kend- Kendra go. I mean i know he was off to a slow start and, and I get it however you know what his track record is yeah and at the end of the day he had 13 at bats
0: yeah you can't get a you can't get a groove with that
1: yeah he's two two for 13 so i I mean yeah it's it's all, he's off to a slow start but or, or was off to a slow start but come on I mean 13 at bats. I mean, unless there there's like more of an, an injury or something that, that that we don't know about, which is, I mean, possibility. Uh, but I mean, yeah, just in general, they've they've really struggled. Sweeney's a guy that I, I was very high on coming into the year and and has and has really struggled. Um, and and of course, John Hernandez, uh, definitely definitely hitting very well for them. So I don't know. I, I still think there's enough talent on this team to potentially make a run i mean pitching wise they're going to need to add some more starting pitching because you mentioned uh they did kind of baker's gone and stout is gone however uh at at this point i mean you look at their current starting rotation and it's just a mess it it honestly is i mean they're current the guys that are currently in the starting rotation just it's not cutting it right now so Um, I'd look for them to make some moves. I know Kansas city is a team that has made plenty of moves mid season in the past. I wouldn't expect this to be any different. Um, so yeah, they've been disappointing, but division's still very much up for grabs. So, um, so there's still time for them to just to pick it up and start playing better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm interested to see how that works. And then just quickly on Cleburne, similar boat, I think there, Noah Vaughn's been doing very well. Uh, there, Hernandez has been doing very well. Um, Lago again has been doing well. Ozzy Martinez, too. He's kind of turned around from what we saw in New Britain. And Zach yep. Nerier has done extremely well, uh, too, over here. Nestor's a dude that struggled a little bit. Chase Simpson, again, another guy that struggled a bit. A dude that's normally known for power has no home runs. So you know, that's a little bit, uh, surprising on that front. And on the pitching side, also, they've they got hit hard, too. I mean, uh, Guardwine has been picked up Mel Tox has been picked up Verrett's been picked up Mike Mary has been picked up they've lost a lot of guys to major leagues which you know was something we said was a concern coming in and it's certainly proven to be more of an issue than we thought and there's there are some guys here Chavez has been pitching a lot Fairchild's been pitching a lot Uh, Maverick Buffo and and Mike Gunn have been pitching a lot but it's hard to keep replacing these guys especially at this rate and especially with starters, bullpen guys you can shelter, but you can hide uh, them in certain areas here. But when you lose two of your better guys that were going to be starters and when your better bullpen guys... It's going to be tough to replace them. And honestly, I don't know how they're going to manage that because it's been a bit of a struggle here. Uh, they're bringing in guys, a guy like Taylor Wright's coming, which I know his short stint, I believe, was Somerset. And then he also played in Evansville, if I'm not mistaken. He was very good, but, uh, he's still, you know, he's new in here. So I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out. Hopefully, it does. But this is a team which has been, you know, again a bit surprising. Although they're on the right side of five hundred.
1: Yeah, I mean, Cleburne's playing much better of late, and I think that's that's the, that's the sign that um, I, I, th- I think that's the sign you're looking for. I mean, they did get off to a slow start, but they're playing much better baseball of late. They're l- really being led by their offense, as you mentioned. Their uh, pitching staff has been has been kind of rated. You know, when we say a pitching staff is rated, that's certainly a good thing for Indie Ball. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, that's definitely what you want to see. But in a year like this, where there's a lot of leagues to go around, there's not a lot of pitching to go around, it's tough to replace some of those guys. So, but I think it is a good sign that Cleburne's, I mean, they're hitting, they're playing a lot better as of now. I know there's, it's still the their record still shows 11 and 10, but I think we're, they're starting to pick it up and be that team that, that we thought they were going to be. I think they're on their way up. Um, I think they're certainly on their way up. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up. But I think uh, they're certainly on the right track. And I think that's a good sign for for their fans out there.
0: Absolutely. They're on a four-game winning streak, too. Seven and three in their last ten. And they have probably the second most interesting series of the weekend, which is they're playing Fargo-Moorhead at Newman Outdoor in North Dakota. So... That's going to be an interesting series, because you have one team, which we're not, they've clearly been very good so far, but we're not sure how they're going to manage to replace a lot of their losses, versus another team that's struggled out of the gate, but now seems to be finding their footing, so... Two very interesting series this week yeah, in the American Association. And on that note, I think we've just about uh, talked about everything of major note in uh, independent league baseball this week. So we'll go to the plagues and then add anything that needs to be added and then we'll get out of here. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at Pod or on Instagram at Report and at ALPB underscore news for all your Atlantic League news. And you can obviously find our show notes, all episodes, videos, uh, articles, anything that you really want to find independently, baseball-wise, on the website, IndieBallReport.com. And you can find the show and follow the show wherever you find podcasts. So tune in Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Like I said, just about any major uh, podcatcher will have the show. So be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe on all of those platforms there and with that said do we have anything else left to add for the week
1: so my i think i only have one thing uh to add for this week not going to be a long one uh the co- for anyone who watches college baseball out there super regionals or this weekend very exciting stuff it's been a great season in college baseball so far i don't know I don't know how many people out there uh, pay attention or watch it, uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly am. There's there's uh, a lot of great matchups this weekend, so uh, if you like, uh, if if you're one of those people who really likes watching uh, players show a ton of emotion, uh, the su- the super regionals is definitely the thing for you because uh, players players in college certainly wear their emotions on their sleeve, and I think that's always a good thing for 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 baseball in general. The the energy is really high. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. So definitely if you're looking for something to tune into, it's probably on ESPN pretty much all day this weekend. So definitely check that out.
0: Yep. I got two quick things to add. One, the USFL is back. We have the return of the United States Football League. We're going to have eight original teams back. So hopefully we'll get the generals back. Hopefully they'll be in MetLife Stadium, hopefully. And uh, I'll get to watch some USFL football I don't think it'll be nearly as good as the original one. I mean, you had guys like Steve Young, uh, Jim Kelly, Herschel Walker. It, it was a very highly talented league. I don't think we're going to get to see that at uh, this type of level again. But I'm excited for it. It's a spring league, so I don't have any expectation for it to last because they never do. But hey. It's more football. It's interesting. It's something to do in the spring. And, again, if you're bringing back the original teams, good branding there. I like it. And then the other thing I got to add, on Wednesday, Ford announced their mini pickup truck, which is the Ford Maverick. It's a surprisingly nice truck. Like, It's the kind of truck that's definitely targeted towards people that never thought they wanted a truck. And for... It's a hybrid truck, too, that gets like 40 miles to the gallon. And... It's a surprisingly wow. nice thing. Yeah, I was surprised. Like I've never really considered a pickup truck, but I'm really interested in this truck because it's like 20 grand is the base price on it. So it's not bad at all for a brand new truck. It's an interesting truck. And I just wanted to mention that that it's, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie.
1: It's a great idea.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely is that. And also I would like to point out Hyundai announced a similar kind of truck like a week earlier. I called the Santa Cruz and then one week later Ford announced theirs. So Hyundai's truck's dead on arrival. I- I'm sorry, Hyundai. You're not a truck brand. Ford is. And also Ford just made a better truck. It's-, it's as simple as that. So it's like I said, if you're not a truck person, check this out because it's not a bad truck. I'll say that much.
1: That sounds cool, actually. Yeah.
0: I know. No. I'm going to drop a link to the Ford thing in the, uh, in the show notes too, including the build-your-own tool, because I spent like a solid hour just playing with different like forms of trucks and whatnot. And to max out one of these trucks, it'll only come to about thirty-six thousand. To max it out with every package all the way through, which for a brand new truck isn't that bad. And realistically, if you just add the shit you need in there, it only comes to about twenty-six. Which again, for a brand new truck that gets forty miles to the gallon and five hundred on a tank, that's pretty good.
1: It's very good. Yeah.
0: Especially with high gas prices. But at any rate, this is not an economy show. This is a baseball show, and it's come to its end. So until next time, don't forget to play ball.